Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. Hello and welcome back to the Stadia podcast. I'm Musok Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Do you know what? Not as toasty as I assume you are, judging by that fine... Is that a hoodie or is that a fleece? Listen, it's all sorts. It's a <laughs> secret. Is that what it is? <laughs> it's, uh, it is a hoodie and a roll neck within the hoodie. And the backdrop is some Kente print on the back of my chair. Okay, so yeah, it's all very classy. Yeah, listen. I'm in a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually freezing in here, to be honest. So, Is it? Yeah, yeah it's very oh, cold. Man. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, how are you? Good. Very well. Very well. Recharged. Rested. Yeah. Good vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. How's that feel? Wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it does mean sleep in the middle of the day. Um, oh, really? You're doing that again? <laughs> well, it's because it's because again, the World Cup so. is the World Cup. It's because we record late and he goes to bed really wired mm. because her head's just full of analysis and like stuff that's happening. And it, this World Cup is just, it's so eventful in every way that, yeah, it's just like supercharged. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, we did write his house on Monday, you and I. In fact, mm. if you haven't listened to that, go and find it. That's Write His House on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Mm. And it was just, it's quite nice doing a morning one again. Like, yeah, oh, but in be- but in between nice. all of that, I then spoke to Emily Nemens about her brilliant debut novel, The oh, Cactus yeah. League. Yeah, it's a novel about belonging, gentrification, communities in crisis, baseball, amazing novel. So I, that was in between everything else. So I was over um, doing an event with the uh, American Embassy, actually, at the English Theatre in Berlin. So like in between all of this and the World Cup, there was then like brilliant literature. So my brain was like, it's now, <laughs> it's, it's now like supercharged. Well, you think your brain's seen anything yet? Wait till we start talking about 25-year-old breakdancing cats. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he was breakdancing again against Japan, but we'll get into that. High intellect, the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Yes. And uh, enjoying a day off from the World Cup. Mm. Although football never sleeps. No, it does not. Women's Champions League, Men's FA Cup, it's all kicking off. And not just any Women's Champions League, but V, oh my gosh, Bayern Barca. Oh yes. <laughs> my goodness. But today we're going to talk about the four games that have happened since we last spoke and maybe have a little bit of a look ahead to the quarterfinals if we have time. I have to uh, run for a plane. Mm. We will get into it all after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. 
Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Right, man, where do you want to begin? Because I know that there was a bit of a goal fest yesterday. But I, would I actually think you start like with Morocco, Spain. Morocco, yeah. Morocco through to the quarterfinals in the World Cup for the very first time, men or women's. And Huge. Being, being Spain 3-0 on penalties. And to be honest... Not it's the wildest ha- surprise. It's not. It's not. That's that's what that. Those were the words I was looking for. I was looking for something that was a bit that wasn't, you know, kind of like I told you so because we didn't tell anyone anything. But actually, if someone had, if if you'd gone to sleep and woken up after the game and someone said, "Yeah, Morocco won on penalties," you'd be like, "Yeah." Well, the reason I refuse to call Morocco a dark horse is because they're a horse. Like I said, the, said this, I said this a thousand the times. They're, they're a Champions League level team in terms of the quality of players they have. Also, crucially, a lot of their players are very well acquainted with the players they'd be playing against for Spain. Like, very Mm. well acquainted. Either they were playing against them in Spain or they're playing in France. So you've got a cluster of players, Angers, Paris Saint-Germain. So they're going to see each other regularly, be in touch on a WhatsApp group or a signal, whatever. This is a well-networked, well-researched team. There's probably never been a World Cup upset in quotes that was better foreshadowed to happen in terms of people knowing what skill sets, what they were going to deal with, what to expect from Spain, what to absorb. You know, this was, this was a result where absolutely Spain didn't just punch themselves out. Spain were contained by Morocco. I Did you see the pass map? Unreal. It's unreal. I mean, what, a thousand passes completed mm. against almost 400 from Morocco, but not really dangerous. Not dangerous. After the... Costa Rica game. I think you and I were saying, hey, we were one of the people who's, who said Spain don't have goals. But look at the goals that they scored here. But we then said, it's not against Costa Rica that's going to be the issue. It's going to be later in the tournament when defences are way more tight and you can't get yourself out of trouble, basically. It's the Erling Haaland issue. Do they need Erling Haaland? Not yet. Do they need Erling Haaland? Not yet. They don't need him to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Yeah. That's they need him. Do Spain need... A player like that, not yet. Mm. Not until a knockout. And then you see it. Then you see it. But check this out. So Spain had uh, 77% possession, a total of 926 passes to Morocco's 216. Went out on penalties against Italy in the Euros. 70% possession, 805 passes to Italy's 287. Went out on penalties. It's a trait. It's a trait that I think stops Spain getting through. Because like... I think Spain were the better side in this game, but I think that Morocco. Were, were, I think the way that Morocco played, it allowed Spain 
to essentially just have a lot of the ball in front of them. There were a few mm. chance. There were a few times really. There was one where Morata got through. I think there was one where Sarabia hit the post right at the end, but it yes. might have gone to VAR and been chalked off. I think he might have been a touch off touch offside. I can't remember, but there were a few times where like Bono had to like scramble them out of trouble or yeah. that Morocco were hanging on or that everything or that they were constantly running towards their, their own goal and the pass map that got released I think it was between the post and post of it it's just a like a, a big thick marker across the middle of midfield mm. and then one slight pencil line going to the strikers you know it's and this is the problem that I think Spain have had in in more back-to-back international tor- men's tournaments now and it isn't a fluke and it's very easy to criticise because they could have scored one for example and you know Sarabia is one that off the, off the post could have won it in the last minute you never know mm. um, they could have they could have won one nil, and we would have been sat here being like wow Spain had all the ball you know they really deserve to win but, also, but I think that we've seen in this tournament how and we actually said it that we said it with England um against Senegal thing where you're going to have half an hour when you're going to have to absorb pressure and most elite teams are comfortable in doing so. Yep. And Absolutely. I think it just played, it actually played into Morocco's hands a lot because they can torch teams on the break. Yeah. Playing Spain at that stage of the... It's the, another level. I don't think people understand. Yeah. I'm seeing tactical analysis on social media and that's all great about Morocco and Spain and what this means and why Spain is so needled by the defeat. It's like, there's another level to this. There's a cultural level to this. There is a lot of needles. The fact that Hakimi was born in Spain, just outside Madrid. Like there's all of this going on. Grew up in Madrid, chose to play for Morocco. Can we just, can we just take a second to acknowledge a Spanish side with Hakimi at right back? I mean. <laughs> because he was creating so much for Morocco going forward. Like they was, fumbled the, the, listen, the amount. Of- Madrid, Madrid and Spain fumbled the bag on that. <laughs> Do you know what though? Ironically, actually, because of Spain's lack of an out and out, decisive number nine that we've mm. talked about a little bit. I don't think Hakimi would have helped him in that game because some of the stuff that he, he was, um, some of the chances that he created or some of the, the passes that he put into the box was so good. Would have been wasted on them. Do you know yeah. this, the thing about Spain as well, just very quickly before we get to Morocco, um, is that this, um, these wide forwards, they don't have a Di Maria. They don't have a Dembele. Ansu Fati hasn't unfortunately had the match fitness uh, for the last couple of years or been in football for the last couple of years. Most of them. Spain don't have sufficient chaos, dynamism, flair in their final third and they haven't had for a while. And it's just not been good enough. The players, the generation of players that were meant to be the ones that stepped up, they're just not of that level. And the worst thing about this loss was you could say it's been foreshadowed for the last two, three years, because there's not a single thing. There's not a single problem. Same with Germany as well. There's not a single problem that Germany and um, Spain encountered that people had not been worried about on their yeah. behalf. Germany a bit lesser because Germany, I think genuinely, again, this like the Japan defeat is going to be memory hold as this absolute disaster, whereas actually it was just a couple of bad pieces of luck with finishing. And we'll talk the about tide. Japan again because they really could have gone through against Croatia as Japan well. were cooking. But, um, but so just on Spain to finish that, the final third, they were, they were weak, but Morocco, to give them and Walid Reguagri and his coaching team, his staff, just so much credit. The way he managed tempo, even when they uh, went ahead in the shootout, Reguagri was just like calm, chill. Like it was amazing just watching him control the emotion from the sidelines throughout the game. 
never let. And him knowing, of course, what a huge fixture this was for Morocco, not just like football-wise, but culturally. Mm. As an African nation, as an Arab nation, um, the identification with both so strong. The fact this felt like a home game in I terms mean, of the it, crowd. It really did. It, I was going to say that, actually. I'm glad you brought that up because it really does. Apparently there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of people born in Morocco living in Qatar. I don't know if Spain were ready for the cauldron, some of them. I'm not sure if a lot of them were ready for that intensity. There's a couple of things on Spain. I think that this is, we've used this phrase a few times actually, and it sounds like a bit of a cop out, but if you look at where Spain are head and shoulders above football-wise in the men's team, it's going to be people like Gavi, Pedri, Ansu Fati when he's fully fit. Mm. The, so the, the midfield, you've got Rodri to come in there instead of Busquets. Because Rodri will replace Busquets now going forward. I can't imagine that Busquets will be in that, in that side mm. a huge amount longer. Yeah, You're going to have upgrades coming in at fullback. Another 18 months of first-team football for those players will push Spain along a little bit because I just think they just weren't quite there. You know, like it's, it's when your most dangerous players are barely out of their teens and some of them in their teens still. Yeah, yeah. It's such a huge burden to put on them. You need that balance. It's like, if you look at England as a prime example, you've got Jude Bellingham in there, you've got Bakayo Saka, who's barely out of his teens. Or is he 21 now? Sorry. But, but, you know, young, young, young players still in the grand scheme of things who have got a lot of responsibility. But then you've got Harry Kane or you've got yeah. Jordan Henderson who can step up or you've got Marcus Rashford who has been around and done it, obviously, before he went home. Raheem Sterling. There are players in there who have been there been around the block a bit. Yeah. And for Spain, as much as we love Alvaro Morata as a, as a player, and we think he's been a little bit hard done by in terms of criticism over the years, just for, because I think people still don't really give him the credit for the kind of striker that he actually is. They're, mm. they're criticising for the kind of striker that he isn't. Mm. But unfortunately, as we've said, he needs someone who's going to just, he needs someone to work off. And Spain don't really have that player. So... I feel for Spain a little bit because, and I feel a little bit for Luis Enrique because in the semi-final in the Euros and this time round, the margins were so small. When you're a side as talented as Spain, then you let it get to penalties. Kind of on you, really. Yeah. Without being too harsh. But I thought the game itself, considering it was 120 minutes nil-nil, was mega entertaining. Well, here's something wild for you as well. Um, it was entertaining, but what I, as a stat that I pulled out that I have to like bring up. So Sofian Amrabat, playing for Fiorentina, and you've got a question like when his next move is going to come because he's 26. So he's ripe to move. He, in 120 minutes, as Morocco's defence midfielder, guess how many passes he made into the final third in 120 minutes? One. One. Was it one? One. It was one. <laughs> it was one. <laughs> Expected kind of, assists. Kind of, 0.01. Kind of Incredible. Of the fewest touches of any outfield player to play 90 minutes incredible performance because you know what it reminds me of that time when Atleti went to um, Anfield mm. and they were just facing the absolute onslaught and they were just defensively incredible and brilliant just no risks complete like take this thing out of the game don't play it forward don't play it forward play it sideways and backwards circulate the ball take this thing out take this thing out and that to me is remarkable it's these performances I mean I these performances get lost in the hurricane of commentary and discourse around it, what it means for Spain. But, but performance like that from Amrabat is absolutely incredible because it facilitates everything. Think of all the amount of times, and I was watching this with Modric against um, Japan as well, like the amount of times where 
Japan put the heat on Croatia. They really put it on them. And they could yeah. tell they got tired because actually Modric started advancing after a while because Japan got tired. But there was a period where Modric was standing five, 10 yards off and just absorbing the shock. And Amrabat did that for Morocco in a way that was incredible and which actually can give Morocco hope they can maybe like do a rerun of what they did against Spain. I think Portugal is smarter and they've got more tools. I agree. But Morocco Especially have, now they've oh, accidentally for sure. unlocked. They're liberated yeah. or, or deliberately unlocked. Because I think this was for, I think this was coming again, foreshadowed as a word I've used a lot, but I think this, I think this was coming for a long time. We'll talk about it in part. We will, we will. But yeah, just, just shout out to Morocco. I wanted to mention that performance in particular because it's people like that, it's players like that that really are, they're the anvil for performances like this. They take the absolute hammering and they don't yield. And I just thought Morocco in this game is a spectacular defensive performance. It actually reminded me of the Spain-Paraguay game. Yeah. Uh, of um, World Cup 2010. That's a bit, I love that shout, Musa. <laughs> where I remember thinking, ah, this is, this is like Paraguay's like Paraguay Redux, but, but they mastered it this time around. And actually I didn't, I didn't tweet it because I'm not mean, but prior to the penalty shootout, I was about to tweet a shocked emoji and be like, Spain, this is how Spain feel when they realize they're going to shoot out and haven't got Fabregas. Because actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I did, Fabregas. <laughs> I, I, I did, when uh, Busquets went up to take his penalty, we'll talk about the penalties in a second. I looked at my dad and went, he's going to miss this. Oh no, I said to my dad, I said, Busquets is going to miss this. Um, or he's not going to score. Mm. And then, uh, and when he obviously didn't, I just did, you know, the, uh, the Oprah gif. I just turned to my dad and was just like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it but, is strange how many penalties in these shootouts where you know you watch them and go oh they're going to miss it and they, they'll miss it it was strange how many of these penalties over both the shootouts that we saw in this round mm. it was exactly as, like that like most almost 90% of them saw, saw them walking up and being like no I don't feel good about this yeah, yeah and yeah well apparently Spain have had like a penalty coach right I mean they've done pretty well out of shootouts to be yeah, honest but also just Penalties are penalties, man. It's like, there is, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get into that debate. But anyway, let's talk about the, Morocco. The Penenka very one, quickly. Yeah, whoa, 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 one sec. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> because, first of all, Morocco are the first African team to win a penalty shootout at the World Cup. And they're the first African side to reach the World Cup quarterfinals since 2010. And it's the first, wow. as we mentioned before, it's the first time they've done so in their history. The first African team to win with the Penenka and the decisive penalty. I think, can we just say that they are the first, not only the first, they will probably be the only, <laughs> let alone African side, side ever, to A, win a penalty shootout 3-0, with the decisive penalty being a low P-roller Penenka, which was then accompanied by a penguin celebration dance. Which then, was, it turned wow. out, to be shade at Luis Enrique. Can we just have, give a big shout out for Ashraf Hakimi for a while? Because... The levels of that. I, uh, do you remember when we first started studying and I was just like, this guy. I'd yeah, seen him yeah, at Dortmund yeah. and I was just like, this guy, Musa, this guy. He's on loan from Real Madrid for like two years. It's ridiculous. They have to sign him. They have to sign him. It was just like, you know, like the, uh, the Star Wars meme. They signed him, right? <laughs> yes, they signed him, they signed right? him right <laughs> <laughs> alas no he went to Inter for a season obviously then won the league and then uh, he's at PSG this guy is he's in a shout for the, the best right back in the world if not one of them to quote Mr. Kwonga 
definitely top five. Sadly. <laughs> definitely top five. But the fact <laughs> that with all of that pressure on him for that, for that moment, born and raised in Spain, to win the shootout against Spain, and he has the presence of mind not only to penenka it, but to stop and do a celebration that he did with Sergio Ramos, which apparently many people have suggested was throwing some shade at Luis Enrique for not selecting Sergio Ramos in the Spain squad. I mean, that, all of, to have all of that in your head at once. I mean, the confidence to go up and do this, is the, it, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's absolutely, this is a cool hand, Luke. It's truly, truly an incredible performance. And the fact that he was so dominant in the two hours on so the field. He was so he comes on and does that. Yeah. All the props to Morocco. Just incredible. Thoroughly, thoroughly made up for them. If I may be so bold, um, can we uh, all, I, I, don't, I haven't said this many times in the podcast in the last couple of years, but hydration is going to be extremely important because I do suspect there will be, is it fair to say, a raised amount of a shisha consumption? I, I do think there'll be a lot more shisha consumption. So make sure we're getting our fluids, people. There was lo- like, there were loads of uh, videos going up of like Edge Royal Road in London, and it was just incredible. Just like I just knew, I knew, I knew, I just knew. Those it, who know, it looks amazing. It looked amazing. Uh, uh, and can yeah, we just yeah. shout out uh, Rio Volko, our friend? Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's at the World Cup and he's taking photos for his book No Hands Three, the third edition. It's the third World Cup he's done it for. Yeah. And he took an amazing one after this game, which we posted from the Stadio account. So if you go to at Stadio on Twitter and uh, go and. You can pre-order Rio's book. Yeah, that's like four days left, I think. Four days left to pre-order it. And um, yeah, a portion of the uh, profits have been donated as well. So shouts to Rio. He's taken some amazing photos this World Cup. Yeah, he's one of the best We've been posting a few on our Instagram. We'll post a few more before the tournament's done. But yeah, shouts to Rio. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shall we take a break? And then we will return to talk about Morocco's opponents in the quarter. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, Musokwanga. Gonzalo Ramos has arrived. Wow. First hat-trick of this World Cup. You know, it's funny because, so Portugal beating Switzerland 6-1. I didn't expect this at all. Well, when Ramos scored this opener, this left foot drive that he ripped in the top court, do you know what it was so wild about that? Sommer is one of the best shot stoppers in the world. Yep. And he knew nothing about it. He, he probably didn't see it to the replay. And you know, when I saw that, you know, that, that it, was, it was the physical representation, it was the football representation of a door being kicked off its hinges. A single kick. I love that. It was so brutal. And I sort of thought, whoa, wow. this is a different, because I thought, oh, you know, KG, knockout round, Portugal, Switzerland. Oh, maybe like, you know, one all after extra. T-. No, we're having none of that. Ramos is like, no, you people, you clowns, have not been paying attention to Benfica, what we're doing over there. We're doing big things over there. I mean- Enzo told you. Yeah, Enzo yeah. told you for Argentina. I'm telling yes, you for Portugal. Listen, uh, I tweeted that that goal was so good it didn't look real. It was brutal. Unbelievable. It didn't look real. Like when it first happened, when it like watching it live, I was just like, "How has that just happened?" Because it, 
I mean, yeah, he's just smashed it in the near post. But yeah, I, but, but, I but Jan Sommer against Jan Sommer from quite far out. I can't remember who's on Cocoms for the that I was watching, but they call it the exuberance of youth. He laced it. He laced it. And uh, Jao Felix absolutely running the show. Right. This, do you know what? Right. Portugal. Let's do the elephant in the room. So Cristiano Ronaldo gets dropped, gets the captaincy taken off him for this. Sorry, the elephant, elephant on the bench. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, um, I think this was to do with a, a, what Santos said about his behavior in the previous game. But I also like, like Ten Hag, I think that. It's also tactical. Yeah, they're looking for an excuse to do this, uh, managers now, because they know that it doesn't quite lean into what they're doing. It hinders them a little bit tactically. You, you get the trade-off. You might get a goal, but you'll also get 70 the pressure, minutes or so the when pressure. it just doesn't really click. That's what happens to players when they turn, you know, 37, 38, towards the back end of their career. And in, in an attacking sense, nine times yeah. out of 10, it's not a slight for anyone. But Unless you know, you're Luka Modric, it's going to happen to you. Yeah, or, or Pepe. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, one of the few players playing in the elite level who is older than I. So I love him now. Not, not older than me, I tell you that. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> not by long chalk. Well, you know, you've, you've still got Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than him. Oh, God. No, you're not. So, I'm not younger than him. I think you're really younger than Tom Brady. But this, this Portugal side, because they've got these, they've got these little, they've got these little mischievous, I don't want to say, I want to say scamps in the, in the, in the lovable term. Mm. And the first 20 minutes or so of this game felt like when a teacher walks out of the room and doesn't come back for 10 minutes. <laughs> and the class goes, there's just this noise. Making me nostalgic. Making me nostalgic. People are banging desks and no <laughs> one's like, why has someone like tied someone to the radiator with their tie? Like, oh, it's all kicking off. Do you know what I mean? I've it very that much yeah. felt that like. That I've, been, I've been that person. <laughs> <laughs> That's my wheelhouse. <laughs> I'm usually the one who's like getting their head like slammed in the desk. Oh no. <laughs> Ow. Ow. Anyway, that's what the opening bit of that game felt like. Sorry if that was a bit of a silly analogy, but it was just like, these kids are having loads of fun and they're yeah. just a bit like, oh my God, we're scoring goals and running riot. Jal Felix. Should we talk about Jal Felix? Because. Yes. This is how it looks when you give him the keys. We said this. Did you also feel like a proud parent? I just felt like, yes, you know, <laughs> I said, yes, you know, that man is the, what's that, the, 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 these scenes where they're like, you know, you, you can look at F1 as an analogy or any of these like, you know, fighter pilot movies, like just let, let the kids get up there and do their thing. Like it's time for the old guard to move aside. And that sounds brutal to say it, but Joao Felix in particular, this team, if this attack reconfigures itself around him, he's spectacular. He's not let, a second striker. We, we said this a thousand times, like, right. He's not. That run that he did in the first, uh, late in the first half, was it late in the first half when he picks up the ball in yeah. kind of inside like six position and just drives. And I'm like, wow, this is a kind of like a floating playmaker. Right. And he's just been restricted so badly for almost for club and country actually for too long. Absolutely. Has anyone moved like that since Kaka? I don't think so. Someone mentioned, uh, Nigel De Jong mentioned Kaka on ITV, actually. Really? Oh, yeah, so watch you, it, obviously you watching Nigel, Germany. Yeah, so look at you and Nigel De But that's how I feel. I see, but just no one moves like that since Kaka. Like, just the economy of movement, the efficiency. And maybe that's what makes Atleti and Portugal think they can get away with that. Oh, he's, he's economic with his touches, he's efficient. No. Just because they're efficient doesn't mean you give them no possession. You give them all the possession because they're not going to waste it ever. Mm. It's, they're not going to waste it ever. And Joao Felix in this mode is... Devastating. Just unbelievable. Devastating. 
Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. We've been, we've been saying it for two years, and it's not not just us. No, Many no, no, people have no, no. been saying it for two years. Many people have been saying it for two years. I Many mean, people have been saying it. One of the one of my favorite things to that I wrote in terms of I had fun writing it was the piece that I wrote for the Ring of Rap, Jal Felix not reaching his final form. It was when he was in this goal scoring spree for Atleti. Mm. Yeah, they won the title, and it was just before they got they all got COVID, and then everyone. The start of that season yeah. in particular, he was like, and it was out. when he turned around to Renny Lodi, who had been winding him up for not scoring, and he scored that goal. He just turns around to the bench and goes, "Shut the fuck up!" Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like pushes like with his fingers to his lips, and I was like, "This kid's got bite." Actually, so I know what I'm this, doing. Yeah, I know what I'm we, doing. Because we, you know, I don't want to rehash that piece, but we all remember him bursting onto the scene at Benfica, bushy-haired, fresh-faced young kid who's celebrating with his little brother who was a ball boy behind the goal and just mm. this wholesome stuff. But like, he's got bite and he can play ball. Yeah. I don't think he'll stay at Letty long-term. I think he'll end up somewhere. I mean, weirdly, there was a rumour about Villa going around, which I just don't, I can't see it personally. No, just respect to Villa. But there was also a rumour floating around a while ago that Arsenal... Arsenal were interested in him. And if the money works, now that we've seen that actually he's perfectly fine, like drifting, playing wide, Arsenal needed kind of another wide forward and someone who can score goals. He'd actually be more of a fit, I think, than he would be as a second striker kind of thing or as a number nine because he's just not that player. But one of the things that I just, I think Atleti, in the long term, whether he stays there or whether he goes anywhere else, I do think Atleti has been good for him in a way, which sounds a little bit weird because we've just talked about how, how good he can be when he's free. But I think learning that bite and learning that kind of almost like, no, actually you can't do everything you want to do straight away. I think is in the long term, he's going to make him a much better player. That's so funny because Rafael Liao, Santos came out and said afterwards, quite frankly, you know, Liao hasn't been playing so much because at Milan he can do whatever he likes. And here there's that sort of rigid structure and he struggles with that. Whereas Ramos fits really well into it. And you look at the Benfica players, they're a great example of, you know, Enzo Fernandez for Argentina. It's been spectacular. And obviously Ramos in this game with his brilliant hat-trick. I mean, three very different, but all, all equally brilliant finishes. You look at that, like the Benfica players are the young ones. They're superb within structure, but also free enough. Yeah. And Santos, like, you know, he's, he's known what he's doing for a long time, but I think this is finally fully his team I don't think it was actually I don't think it was until this game because I think there's the pressure you know with Ronaldo as, as a great he's done so much in football it's a terrible situation where if you don't play Ronaldo from the start and you lose then it's on your he's, you almost have to weigh up if we play him and we lose then at least we played him if we don't play him and we lose then the backlash is bigger it's different now Yep. He's got permission to do whatever he likes. And that's a I big deal. I think also there's a willing, there needs to be a willingness from that individual to, to play that role. There's no shame in it. There's no, no, no. shame and in it. And actually yeah, what yeah. I thought last night, I think the cameras were a little bit mischievous at one point because it looked like he was a bit grumpy on the bench. Mm. But actually when they, they showed the actual celebrations and stuff, he seemed to really be in on it because, let's get real, you know. Can they work up out of that? Could do. Could get World Cup out of that. Um. So, yeah. I mean, all I thought all the goals were spectacular. Liao's when he came on was just like pfft. it was so good that I think Ali McCoy thought. I think it was Ali McCoy on comms. He was. He thought it was a. He thought it was a deflection. It was that good. Jan. Janssen was so beat. He was just like, oh, that's a good deflection. I, I mean, know. the celebration had big. Are oh, you not entertained energy? 
I mean, they're just they they've got so many. It's really funny Portugal because I don't think a lot of people tip them bef- much before the tournament because I feel like everyone assumed that Ronaldo would play such a big role and he's just such a domineering figure in that squad. I mean, like he's just such a because everyone assumed they'd be just, conservative. I did. I thought they'd yeah, be conservative. I did as yeah. well for yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think that the scary thing is that is getting a glimpse of what this the younger generation who are already there and who have already played a lot of football for club and country. Mm. Ramos aside, because he's not played a lot of football for the country, but I think he will do now. Yes. They are, they look legit. And I don't want to, I don't want to go too over the top after one game, but I think Switzerland are no mugs, man. Like Switzerland are a good football team and they're a consistent football team. And yeah, they kind of put everyone on notice, man. They did. And I, I feel for Switzerland actually because they were putting together a pretty impressive run. Yeah. I really like what they were doing. The win over Serbia, some might say it emotionally drained them. I don't, I don't think that's the key. I think it was just Switzerland brought it as they do at every tournament. And I feel a bit bad for them because I don't know. I just, I, I feel bad watching them go out like that because they did bring a lot to this. They brought a lot of smarts, a lot of hustle. And, but Portugal just, Portugal unleashed something they weren't ready for. Mm. I think this is the key thing. They were expecting maybe a slower game and they never fully adjusted to the speed of the transitions, yeah. if you think about it. Because the build-up play that Switzerland would have planned for, we're going to get something attritional, they'll have Cristiano up top, there'll be a lot of movement around him, there'll be a fixed point in attack, he won't be that quick. So what we'll do is we'll be able to play out, we'll be able to do this, this, that. It's like, oh no. Who left the garage door open in the hurricane? No one did. The hurricane mm. tore it off. You know, so I've got some sympathy for Switzerland there. I do. Um, just quickly, we also need to shout out Pepe, who amazing, amazing, became the oldest goal scorer in the world men's World Cup since Roger Miller, thirty nine years old, unbelievable. And also Incredible. just a shout for Rafa Guerrero as well, who scored a wonderful goal. Yeah, I saw a tweet from Jack Collins from Ranks FC, who said Santos dropping Cristiano Ronaldo for Gonzalo Ramos and Jao Cancelo for Rafael Guerrero and rewarded with a hat-trick from the former and a goal and assist from the latter. Pretty incredible return. Yeah. That's a hell of a tweet, Jack. Um, but yeah, great shot. That's the thing. Dropping Cancelo for Guerrero is that was in a, its own way I think that was just a bigger big. football shout than... In, yeah, it's a football shout. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. But also, Guerrero is very, very... He does put it this way. He covers a lot of ground for Dortmund <laughs> because he's very good going forward. And then Dortmund are usually then getting pinged on the counter-attack. So he has to get back extremely quickly. Yeah. Um, but he's just a really, really, really good left back. Yeah. I think that the Guerrero is one of those few players that could play in pretty much any elite team. Yeah. But can in midfield. Oh, yeah, yeah. Guerrero left back half, almost anywhere. Spends half of his games in there anyway. He does, he does. But the problem I think he might have is that it's the Cafu problem. You're better at mm. right back because if you're at right midfield, everyone sees you coming. Yeah. You're playing midfield, you can't come from deep and build up a head of steam. And you can't do all that like unpredictable movement and switches and all the rest of it. So, yeah. He'll be fine. He'll be He'll fine. He'll be fine. So, Portugal, uh, Portugal are going to play Morocco. The food, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> It's a solid. That's solid. Um, oh, I can't. I can't call. I, can't I refuse call. to call that. I no, refuse no. to call that. Are we going to have a, a, a 
a quarterfinal preview that basically just has four fence sitting. Four, four fence sitting. <laughs> yeah. I'm down with that. Um anything else you want to touch on this game or should we quickly wrap up Monday's games? Let's go to Monday's. Should we begin with Japan Croatia? Because yes. Japan Oh Wow. If they could if they could if they were as good in the Croatia rating yard box as they were throughout the rest of the pitch with the ball, wow. they wow. would have walked to this game. But also another great game, I thought. Yeah. A spectacular game. Also, fun fact. Ivan Perisic is 33 years old and yet has somehow scored in nine World Cups. <laughs> Perisic's header. Perisic scored a header from beyond. It was so Do you know who does good. that? Marco van Basten does that. It was so... F- it it should have had a visa on it. It should have <laughs> had a visa stamp on it. So far out. It should have so had landing lights. Should have had landing lights. Prior to that, Endo, shout out to Watara oh, Endo for God. Japan. Like... Stuttgart DM, unbelievable passing range, unbelievable delivery throughout and just hit a couple of absolute, I mean, some of the delivery in this game from deep is some of the best crossing I've seen in a World Cup, actually. Like dead balls, wide areas. This game, I mean, it will, it will be memory hold again because it's just a one all draw and a shootout, but some of the delivery in this game. Yeah. Lovren's cross actually for Perisic's header was unreal. Oh my God, yeah. But Japan, like, there was that early chance Taniguchi's miss very early on, I think two minutes in. I know that we've seen Canada take a lead against Croatia and Croatia come back and beat them. I think this would have been different. I think that mm-hmm. if Japan had taken an early lead, I think their game management was better than Canada's. And their ball retention. Right. So I think yeah. that an early lead there, if you look at how they were pressing really high up as well on the keeper, I don't know, Japan had all the tools to win this and Croatia looked genuinely rattled. And that's no disrespect to Croatia just because Japan basically worked out all the pressure points. Tactically, it was incredible. And actually, you can see even from the goal that Croatia scored, like Croatia had to dig very deep into their creative locker. Japan gave them nothing in regular time or in extra time. Like, so in terms of the coaching, they couldn't have got this better, I think. They just needed to put one of those chances away because yeah, yeah. there were a couple of long shots that were hit with such venom that Livakovic, like, had he made they were like almost straight at him saves but they were hit with so nearly knocked him off his feet yeah yeah nearly knocked off his feet yeah the second one like was it Matoma's I think Matoma I think yeah and you could see you could see him desperately going I have to stay on my feet because there might be a follow-up yeah yeah, yeah. you could see him like rocked he was like oh my lord oh my lord um Matoma was brilliant but Modric again just I feel like it's something where in these like old medieval movies where everyone knows that you've got three bullets left and everyone has counted them out and they're waiting outside. They're like, oh, we got them. We got them. <laughs> like whenever it, you, they somehow still emerge. Whenever you actually go 1-0 up against Croatia, the lights go out and you just hear this, dong. Dong. It's the hour of judgment. <laughs> Listen, when you, when you watch Modric advancing five yards, then you're in trouble. Because he, he did that one in the second half as well, didn't he? That, this uh, is the thing. Because in the, it was in the second half. Yeah. There's a thing that he does where he stands off the pitch and he, he stands off the play like five, 10 yards, waiting for everyone to like mill about Brozovic. Everyone runs around Perisic and he's standing off the action. He's playing a square pass, looking up. And then he starts calling for it higher up. And I'm like, okay, this is bad because what he's done is he's sensed, he's smelled something. And all of a sudden he starts ripping from distance and he, he hits that one from distance, which is brilliant, gets it over the bar. But the other thing is that he's looking and he's calling for it a lot more in those areas. So for every shot that he hits, there's three or four others that he's looking for. 
and you could feel him like with Modric advances, it's like Croatia could feel it shifting. And there was a period, I think, uh, you know, cause Japan went really hard after them for the first like 40 minutes, got the lead, didn't sit back. Just, I think rightly it's, it's exhausting doing that. And then Croatia started applying pressure. So by the end of the game, actually, by the end of extra time, they were the team in the ascendancy. Mm. Like if they'd won 2-1, you would have been like, okay, on the balance of play, they shaded it. Tomiyasu had one chance that probably should have shot instead of going for a pass, which could have also won the game for Japan. Yeah, and that's then, fair. That's and then we fair. got to the penalties, which weren't great from Japan. They weren't, they weren't great. Um, and there was the, a funny thing, and this is not to show many of one of the penalty takers, there was a funny thing with all these penalties that were missed, Croatia and Japan together. The moment the penalty was hit and the miss yeah. was coming, they were almost turning away. There yeah. was one, there's one moment in particular where the penalty was hit and the person, the player in question, not to sort of name and shame, was almost, had almost stopped their follow through. Yeah. It was really remarkable. It's very rarely you see that the player, by the time the ball was saved, was almost side on, turning away from the, from the spot. And I thought to myself, as an admission of psychological defeat, it was quite a powerful thing to watch. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. And that's not a judgment. It's just, you know, that's no. the pressure of it. No. Um, Japan, two amazing wins over Spain and Germany. Mm. They brought a lot of joy to this tournament. I just wish they could get past that second round. Mm. There's a lot of talented footballers in there. And I think that, unfortunately, came up against one of the wily old foxes. I don't know. I get, I get a little bit sad at this point in the tournament. Where I'm like, oh, I would have loved them. would have loved them to go through. These players have to go home. Yeah, these yeah. teams that have brought so much. But Croatia, man. Yeah, Croatia. And they're going to play Brazil, who waltzed past. Oh, Brazil quite say, like playing Croatia World Cups. Past South Korea, 4-1. Vinny Jr. opened the scoring with a really, really underrated finish. Oh my goodness. A little, a little kind of stabby side foot. Poke. Boop. It was really, it was just aesthetically really pleasing. It's like when you're a kid in your back garden trying to bend the, trying to bend the ball around like the yeah. washing line into the corner, <laughs> <laughs> just inside the apple tree, the far apple tree. It was like that. Like he, he, the gap, because when he placed that into the corner, like about three or four players were collapsing onto him, including the keeper. Yeah. It was a really he, he put it through, he put it through a gap. Really, yeah, brilliant. really very composed, deliberate, sensible finish as well. Um, Neymar got the penalty after 13 minutes. It was uh, very coolly take a penalty. And then Richarlison with an unbelievable goal. Someone said, because I didn't get to watch this live because I was covering, I think um, I was working. Uh, so I got back to watch it later, rewatch it later. And someone said prior, oh, it's, it's probably the goal of the tournament. I was like, no, no, I saw the bicycle kick. It's not. And then I saw it and I was like, okay, okay, it's I really see good. that. Yeah. It's so astonishing. So I, think it may, I think I'm, I think I prefer it to the bicycle kick, yeah. which is saying, so, which, and I loved the bicycle kick. I thought it was astonishing. But to juggle the ball three times in your head when you need to, but also a bit for fun, to bring it down and play like a one-two. He should have came out afterwards and just be like, that one's for Curlon. <laughs> yes, the seal dribble. This <laughs> one goes out to my main man, Curlon. <laughs> Shout out to Curlon's family. <laughs> An incredible goal from Richarlison. And can I just say about this game, actually, uh, Brazil were astonishing like yeah they were they made career republic look a lot worse than they were yeah because they came out with a speed they didn't prepare for like first of all neymar starting i think was a surprise so maybe maybe uh they were planning for a different type of intensity yeah. and also paqueta's defensive work the interceptions 
were mind-blowing. Like, I did not think he was that good defensively. I'm not going to lie. Like, that level, someone that I see as a brilliant playmaker, I knew he could defend, but with that level of foresight, like, the amount of one-twos that he cut out, passes just with body movement, positioning, was spectacular. Casemiro, we've talked about his passing from deep, but those two as an axis, they were spectacular, Ryan. They were mm. genuinely like, this Brazil team, and I've mentioned them before, I think they're the team that I would regard still as the favourites. They've got extra levels in them. They make Korea Republic look worse than they were, far worse. And really just incredible. Like he screened so well, initiated the attack, Mm. And that team is a happy team. Yeah, it's a United. Really that, that amazing, the amazing. Even, even Chiche in on the uh, celebrations. The pigeon. You know, it's so funny. It's like when he's on the edge of it. And he's like, you're like, is he going to commit to the bit? And it's not that he's reluctant. He's just like learning this step. She's like, yeah, we're going to do this right now. And he's mm. like, yeah, yeah. Also, never thought I'd see so much discourse and written work on a on something that I assumed was a well-known, long-standing Brazilian football tradition. <laughs> I want the dancing. Just dancing. Do you know what? I think that, um, do you know what's funny actually? Here's something to throw in as well. Do people realise how serious Brazilian society like has had it recently? What they've yeah. been through? Like you really think, can I, no, no, yeah. actually I have to, I've got to say this because actually I have to say this because a lot of the talkers about, oh, they're trivial, not taking it seriously. If there's anyone taking their society seriously mm. at the moment, it's Brazilians. It's Brazilians. They are taking that stuff seriously. Like that, that country has been through a hell of a lot. And just because people are dancing, they're the perfect example of just because people are dancing doesn't mean it's facetious. Doesn't mean it's fripperies because that man in particular, that coach in particular, he is coaching a dressing room full of players, most of whom are completely ideologically opposed to what he stands for. And it's really interesting because him and Richarlison are the two who are the most aligned. Him and Richarlison are the most aligned politically and they're the ones dancing together. So there's a lot you can deconstruct from that. If we're really going to go there and talk about dancing, let's not be, let's not be superficial. Let's not be childish. It's not, childish is not even fair because children get that analogy. Let's not be superficial here. Let's not just toss it off and be like, oh, they're just mocking it. No, actually, like it's a lot deeper than you people. Yeah. And also, why, since yeah. when have we, since, why have we picked now to make a point of Brazilians dancing for gold celebration? Because people are lazy and don't do their homework. I'm sorry. And like, I, I'm not trying to I'm flex enough, or anything. I'm, I'm just, old enough I'm to just saying. I'm not trying to flex. It's not like you're trying to flex. It's just like, if you're going to come with that lazy analysis and just toss that out there and not look at the nuance of what that team's gone through, that dress room will have gone through, the choices they have to make. You have people supporting, openly supporting. Yeah a fascist yep. ex-president and you have a coach who's progressive and a goal scorer in Richarlison who's progressive managing all of that and somehow building a successful and a happy squad out of that. That is remarkable. It's remarkable. And do you know why people have this lazy analysis? It's because their own worldview is trivial. I hate to say it. It's because actually if your own world is trivial, you can't imagine other people having more complexity and that's mm-hmm. why it happens. Sorry to be harsh, but like I saw that and thought, really? I mean, sorry, <laughs> sorry. You know what I thought? I thought game's gone. Game's gone. Game's gone. The game's gone. The game had gone for South Korea though, unfortunately. So. Yeah, it really yes. had gone. Yeah. It, well, look, well, actually shout out to them. Shout out to Korea Republic. And I think also, to be honest, I think that, that they put a lot into that last group game. They did. There were some talented they players did. in that, but I think in terms of a, a, a squad depth, depth I think yeah. they're, they're, just not on, they're just not on the level that Brazil are. And that's, that happens. I mean, who is, I mean right? look exactly. at you know, who like is? you look at we thought Switzerland were were not a side that could be undone 
like they were against Portugal. Mm. So it just happened. I mean, Brazil are one of the favourites for the tournament. Yeah. And I think Korea Republic got, uh, did incredibly well to get out of that group. And yeah, there's no, no, no shame whatsoever going out to that Brazil side. None. Right. Shall we, should we, should we wrap it? Croatia, Croatia, Brazil is going to be Friday. Netherlands, Argentina as well on Friday. So should we do, are we doing Friday night? We are indeed. Friday night. Wow. I'm extremely hyped about that. Me too. Should get some, get some cans in. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the games. Um, should we bounce then? Just do it. Yeah. Have we covered everything? I think we have. Yeah. All bases. So my rant about dancing. Gosh. Know, I'm not going to rant about dancing, he says, ranting about dancing. <laughs> we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, and enjoying the Women's Champions League that is back. There is football going on, everyone. Mm, don't worry. Indeed. Plenty of football. Uh, don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Check Writer's House if you haven't already. Writer's House will be back next. I think we're going to do Writer's House on Sunday, after the England game. But we'll update you on that on Friday. Uh, check Stadio on Twitter, Stadio Football on Instagram, and the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, we are playing out on Dan Bodie and the African Internationals. Unreal tune, this. Money's the root of evil. Goodness. Anything you want to add, Musak Wonga? Nothing further. Nothing further. All right, everyone. Much love. Have a lovely week. We'll be back with you on Friday night. See you then. I'm